the tomato meter is dead to me. It's another dud that I dove on and it made my guts explode. Yep, um... If they're not after flesh eating, what the hell are they after? Lower taxes? Clues! There's clues in that in the Louvre. The out the outlaws of YouTube. Here we are. Yes. This is awful and weird and why. Hello everyone, welcome to Movie Freaks, the only podcast on the net that was created for the sole purpose of delaying the inevitable rewatches of the roulettes we're pitching this evening. I'm Eric Marner. <laughs> and I'm Eugene Weaver. Well, we managed to put it off for 100 episodes, my friend, but... <sighs> the time has come. <laughs> yep, it's time to pay the piper. Is that a thing? No. I, I don't know. Just saddle that bitch up bareback. Yes. Uh, yes. Yep. Spread on the rock. Grab the lube because here we come. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Uh, uh, roulette that we've been pitching back and forth for uh, before this show ever started. Years before this show ever started, I think. Yep. Um, it, it, it's finally going to happen. Uh, this is the week. We're actually going to come back with the reviews next week, but I wanted some time on the show for us to uh, pitch them to each other. Though. So we have to go in with a proper mindset. At, we'll get to that in a minute. Before we get yeah. into that, let's kick off uh, the roulette like normal. We, this is going back a couple weeks because we haven't had an episode, but uh, our last roulette was 12 Days of Terror up against Night of the Wild. My turn to go first. 12 Days of Terror. Uh, based on a true story, this drama recounts a series of grizzly shark attacks that occurred on the coast of New Jersey in 1916. Um, yeah, so anyway, I knew I was in trouble right off the bat because I hit play and it said, A Discovery Channel Production Presents. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. And, and you know, my instincts were not terribly far off. It's a basic, I mean, uh, Lifetime Movie of the Week. It it has a lot of that uh, that kind of acting ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, about halfway through, I started noticing a lot of similarities to Jaws in uh, as far as the story aspect, and I didn't actually go look it up because I'm giving this one a passing thumbs down. Um, but so I not would, terrible, not terrible. Yeah, thumbs down though. Um, mm-hmm. Not terrible. I kind of terrible, half terrible, but it has some positives. Um, the story very much mirrors a lot of the things in Jaws. So I wouldn't be surprised if this story was the basis for it. And then this last uh, weekend while I was away for a thing with my wife, was at the, uh, flipping through channels on the satellite and Jaws is on. Oh, hell, you can't just not watch when that's on. Yeah. And so I watched like the second act of Jaws and they mention... Don't you remember that this happened in 19-something in New Jersey? They're talking about this story. They reference this story in Jaws, so I guess this is a real story. Being a Discovery Channel production makes me think it's probably a Shark Week thing where they produce yes. this. Um, oh, I bet, seriously, I bet it was. Ex- I, it has to be. They, they yep. do nothing but shark stuff that week. And Anyway, so I had a little bit of forgiveness for that. Um, and then John Reese davies shows... It's John Reese davies I'm mixing up my people here. And it's not listed, obviously. Genius. Uh, anyway... The 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 dwarf in Lord of the Rings. That's Dinklage. John Wait, oh no, John. Dinklage. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> John, yes, yes. Okay, Riddles of the Lost Ark. Yep. Yes, yep. He shows up as the salty old fisherman, kind of playing that Quint role. Um, 
again, a lot of the story beats mirror the Jaws thing, which makes me think that Jaws took its beats from this. Okay. Uh, now, where this movie gets a couple of points from me and actually turned out to be kind of entertaining is when the shark starts actually attacking people. And uh, they did a very good job of, you don't see a lot of the shark, and then there's a lot of blood, and even some gory bits um, you know, of the mutilated legs and stuff, and then it's going up river and attacking people left and right, and that stuff was kind of interesting. But overall, no, thumbs down. Even 87 minutes, this felt like a two and a half hour movie. It was just, ugh, no, and bad acting, and uh, then they're cramming in this romance in here a little bit. It, it's all the hall- hallmarks of, like I said, a, a, yep. a Hallmark movie, <laughs> Lifetime original, Discovery Channel, 12 Days of Terror. We're, we're, if you're a, a total Jaws nut, give it a watch, because they do reference this story in the movie in of Jaws. So yeah. it's for being a completist, it's worth a, a watch for that. Cool. Uh, other than that, yeah past yeah night of the wild okay night of the wild uh once again it's another dud roulette that i dove on and it made my guts explode yep um (laughs) starting things off eric red directed this movie and if you don't know who eric red is he directed a really cool werewolf movie back in uh let me just pull this up here uh Back in 1996, called Bad Moon. Oh my gosh! It's, how can I not watch this? Oh, oh, you can. It's a sci-fi movie. Um, okay. Actually, let me rephrase that. I believe it's an asylum movie oh, or asylum produced. Yeah. So uh, here's here's the thing, though. This is technically a fairly well shot movie. It looks really good. Uh, it a meteor crashes and this it unleashes a gas of some sort that makes all the dogs turn into rabid dogs. So the entire movie, entire movie, there's dogs barking. Through the entire bloody movie, there is a dog barking. Um, they do use some practical effects, but the CGI rears its ugly head time and time again. This one here, I believe that that uh, there was a series on Sci-Fi Channel where like a bunch of movies all were shot fairly, I don't want to say back-to-back, but... Uh, close together and then they had this month-long thing and i actually did another roulette pick from one of this big batch which was the hollow mm. okay uh, and that one had really really good production values and some good cgi and what and you could tell it wasn't just your standard issue complete direct and this one isn't standard issue complete direct there is there is some semblance of a good movie in there but again it's just it's it's an hour and a half that should have been maybe an hour, and it's actually a short film. This would have probably made a really good short film because there's enough practical effects, and there's enough of a cool little story in there that this would have made a really neat 30-minute movie, but, oh, it's just That's what bad. sci-fi in Asylum does. They stretch out yep. these days. They should just focus on making smaller productions and then make them an anthology movies. Yeah. Yeah, They seriously, they should because there was some good stuff in that Hollow movie. And there's some good stuff in this, but it, oh, like, I, I'm waiting to watch another Netflix roulette dud from the Asylum slash Sci-Fi channel that I'm like, there's enough good stuff in there for a half hour. And then I'm like, all three of those would have made one pretty good hour and a half long anthology movie. There you go. There you go. Maybe that's that's your next project. When you find that third one, then you can take these and edit then them all down to break, three minutes. Break out the, yep, break out the old Final Cut Pro and get to work. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then sell it back to them. Maybe it's yes. they don't even watch their own crap, so you could get away with yes. it. Yes. <laughs> oh, but it just anyway, just teenage girls and they're fighting in the woods and one you know, and I'm like, oh, here comes some cannon fodder and now this and this happens and oh here's the the kind of sort of star that they got for the movie that it, you can tell he he worked a day or two on the movie to get his paycheck and then he flew out as soon as he could. <laughs> All right. Yeah, okay. That's so, pretty easy for me to move on. Um, okay. Yeah. It is now time to tackle the grandest roulette yes. of that we have had so far. And I thought about this, too. We're going to have to figure out another one for episode 200. Yes, we are. Ah, but we're going to have to come up with uh, two movies that we both hate and we both love. Because this one here is this one here is easy. This one here is our legacy. Yes. Actually. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> uh, okay. I'll sell Vanilla Sky to you first. Now, um... I have never said this movie is a masterpiece. I have never said it doesn't have flaws. It absolutely has flaws. I give this thing like a... I haven't watched it in a while. Seven and a half, eight out of ten. I think it's a solid film. Um, It's just... it It's it's one of those movies like From Dusk Till Dawn. we got to come up with a, 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 a name for that, where the thing shifts genres violently halfway yes. through. Um. It it's because this movie does do that, but it doesn't tell you that it happened. That's and that's its biggest flaw. It it should have been a little bit of a uh, more distinct change, but that was part of the mystery thriller of the movie is what is going on, and you just don't get to know until they tell you uh, towards the end of the third act. But when you've watched it more than once, you realize you know what's coming, and so you're like looking for the clues and you pick it out a little easier. And honestly, if it had that big of a change at that point, you, you, I don't think you'd be as an interested in the rest of the movie because you'd know what's happening. Yeah. So it kind of works for it. Now, the reason I really like this movie so much is that it's totally unique. Now, obviously there's people screaming at the computer right now. It's a remake, you idiot. Yes. It's a remake of a, I believe it's a Spanish film called Abre Los Hijos, which means open your eyes which is a running theme through and and I own that version too and it's very much a low budget version of this. It's a, they're the very much the same movie. Okay. I I like Vanilla Sky better cuz it has bigger production values, better talent. Uh Penelope Cruz is in both versions. All around it's just a very good movie. Now it's it there is a romance at the heart of it, but it's not necessarily it's not a romance movie. It, it's there's romance at the heart of it in the same way that you would say Forrest Gump is a romance movie. Do you know what I mean? I got gotcha. you. Okay, yep. so don't be scared off or put off by oh, what's all this romance stuff? Just roll with it because it it plays a part in there. Now I wanted to I was looking at the wiki page for this. Vanilla Sky received mixed reviews from film critics. Currently holds a forty one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Metacritic has forty five out of a hundred. Roger Ebert. Gave this movie three out of four stars, and I want to read you a quote from his review. This is why I want you to watch this movie again. And I completely agree with this, what he's about to say. Think it all the way through, and Cameron Crowe's Vanilla Sky is a scrupulously... I can't say this word. Scrupulously... Can you say that word? No. Uh, (laughs) It's a moral picture. It tells the story of a man who has just about everything thinks he can have it all, is given a means to have whatever he wants, and loses it because, well, maybe because he has a conscience. Or maybe not. Maybe just because life sucks. Or maybe he only thinks it does. This is this is the this is the most important part, okay? Roger Ebert. This is the kind of movie you don't want to analyze until you've seen it two times. 
Ah, now that's a good selling point there. I've seen this movie one time in the theater. I have seen Cabin Fever one time in the theater. And for the yep. whole entire second act, I was like, oh, I can't wait to walk out of this movie. Eugene, I'm sure, is hating this. And then I went <laughs> back to you and you were like, wasn't that great? And I was like, oh. That's, that's another thing I wanted to bring up in closing here is that we both really hated these movies. We're both dreading watching them again, I'm sure. We need to emotionally remove all of those feelings and try really hard to go in honest and just I, I agree. I totally agree. I'm going yep. to really try <laughs> to go in bald and like cabin fever. Really yeah, hard. <laughs> well and the thing is I think you've kind of come around a little bit on Eli Roth um I, 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 in some respects as as I respect him as a f- artist as a person even though I don't generally like a lot of his movies but We'll see. I'm. I'm. Yeah. I've been divorcing my emotions for Cabin Fever all week. I've been thinking. Yeah. <laughs> I've been thinking about it. Like this is coming. I'm gonna have to do this. Yeah. Um. Now there is a director's cut. I have not seen the director's cut. I only found out about it this week, and it's, it looks like it only came out either uh, this year or, or last year. So it's very recent. Um. And I've heard read mixed reviews about it. I'm probably gonna buy that version on Blu-ray, but the theatrical version is the version I'm selling you, and it's already a pretty long movie. So, yeah. Um. It's on. It's on Netflix. It's in Super HD. Just go watch that version because yeah, I, only, I some... only have the DVD, and I'm gonna go buy the uh the other cut sometime. I want to watch okay. that now. I, I was reading the stuff that's in it. I was like, that sounds pretty cool to me. But I'm a fan. So. Well, and I'm I'm actually very glad that you're that you know that's the version that you're selling me. That's the yeah. version that you've seen. Uh, and I'll get into my, my selling points of cabin fever, but yeah, I've already added it and I plan to watch it. If I at all possibly can this weekend, it's going to get watched. Uh, another so. thing, one more thing, cause I know that you're going to say this, you're going to want me to watch this on the big screen. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that I can go sound system on it, but I'll definitely go headphones loud enough. Yeah. Okay. And that's totally fine. I also have a viewing request. Uh, no treadmill. You, you have to yeah. watch this with sound and the, the full. Monty. Yep. Okay. Yep. Oh, I've already. Yep. This is one who here. This is a years in the making. So <laughs> we're going to do this right yeah. <laughs> again. Seven and a half, eight out of ten. Not, yes. I'm asking, but, yeah. And then after you're done, you should like go to the Wikipedia page and read Cameron Crowe's. Um, he said there's five different theories about the end, and they, he, he wrote some interesting stuff because there's some interesting takeaways uh, from how people interpret this movie differently. Yeah. And, Anyway, so it, it was one that the first time I watched it, I was like, ah, and then each time I watch it after that, I like it more. Mm-hmm. Anyway, okay. All right. Over to you. Okay, so uh, well, you've already said just a little bit about the movie that you're going to be watching, but finally, finally, you're going to be watching Cabin Fever. Eli Ross Cabin Fever from 2002. And I think this is also another cool thing is uh, that these movies were made fairly close together. Like, 2001, so, Vanilla Sky was yeah, 2001. Yeah, so that's kind of cool that, uh, you know, this is, we're, we haven't seen these movies in a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, but now, uh, Cabin Fever, I've watched time and time and time again, and I actually seem to like it more and more. And the version that I had watched for years was the already theatrical cut, uh, until finally Eli Roth was able to release his director's cut, which actually definitely improves upon the theatrical version. It makes the ending better, and there's a couple of gory bits that are sprinkled throughout the movie, and it, it, it definitely makes it more fun. Uh, and that's the version that I want you to watch, and I have that on Blu-ray, so you, it's yours for the taking. 
Um, I'll probably pick it up tomorrow. Okay. That sounds good. Uh, but I would guess most of our listeners probably know what the movie is about, so I'm not going to go through the synopsis. Yeah. Uh, but uh, this was Eli Roth's first feature-length movie made for fairly cheap. Um, I Now, here's one thing that I'm – I'm curious if, if I can throw your way. This is kind of going to be kind of up to you. Vanilla Sky is two hours and 15 minutes. Cabin Fever is an hour and a half, roughly. There's a really, really good making of documentary on the Blu-ray that uh, I think sheds some light into some of the decisions that were made in the movie. Should I watch that first? Uh, I don't think so. No. Uh-uh. I think that after the movie's done, I think it would be just – to see what went in because I have seen this before. I, I, yes, I do know the story. I, I know the yeah. movie. There's no surprises in there. Yeah. But it's, it's cool to, to watch how some of the things, some of the things, some of the reasons why he did what he did are explained in the, uh, in the making of, and it's a really, I've watched the making of numerous times. And every time I'm like, ah, oh, that's okay. I see why he, the music w- was done a certain way. And, uh, the reason for this movie to do to go this route was because of this. So um, the documentary is about forty five minutes. So I'm like, ah, so now we're both at about two hours and fifteen minutes. Okay, I will definitely <laughs> do that. But seriously, you don't think I should watch it first? Like it might help prepare me for some of those decisions the second time what? around. Do you know what I mean? Um, is it that drastic? Because well, I, I mean, you I guess you could, but I know that, that that during it they are showing clips from the movie. If I remember correctly, I've watched clips of the movie like on, when I'm watching TV at places. I, I pop yeah. on. I've, I, I'm very. I'm still familiar with the film. I haven't really forgotten much. You might. It's up to you. Yeah, you might want to, uh, especially because you know they talk the music. The music choices were kind of cool to, to hear about that, and where he came up with his idea for the movie and some of the special effects, and hearing the cast talk. And I really, I really liked that cast. And at first, the cast was very annoying to me, but upon rewatch, I, it's it's kind of like the uh, Sorority Row movie. Mm-hmm. Where they're an obnoxious and annoying, but I like them. And and uh, Black Black Christmas yeah. remake. They're annoying, but I like they're annoying. Like I like them right. for some reason. I got you. So um, anyway, hmm. but I can't wait to hear your <laughs> review of it. And seriously, I, I'm I'm fully prepared for you to come back and say nope. I still hate that movie. I um, likewise, I fully expect <laughs> you to. But I, I'm going to try really hard. Um, I. I and I don't think I'm going to come back and say that. I, I have an idea of what my revisited review is going to be. I, like, in, I think yeah. this is probably where I'm going to come down on it. But we'll we'll yeah. wait and see because I, I haven't I haven't watched it since the theater. So. Yeah. Now here's another thing that I want to bring up about Cabin Fever, and maybe we'll talk about this a little bit more when we review it. But since uh, since watching Cabin Fever for the first time and then numerous times after that, I have immersed myself in Italian cinema and grindhouse cinema. And there are certain things in a lot of Eli Roth's movies, all of his movies actually, that harken back to very similarly to, to Quentin Tarantino harken back to movies from Italian cinema. And one I just watched not long ago. I don't actually, it may not have been an Italian movie, but it was a very low budget exploitation movie from the early eighties. <laughs> Called, the movie is called Trapped, and it's honestly, it's a really good movie. Code Red put it out on Blu-ray, uh, and I'm like, this is a good movie. And there's a scene in that movie um, that is nonsensical, and I'm like, what? And I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like, that totally – Eli Roth totally, totally got that from this movie. Mm-hmm. He, he, there's 
No question about it. He totally got that. And there was a song that he picked from that is in Cabin Fever. I'm like, oh, that's that's that song is sung by this guy from this Italian. So I'm like, there's certain things. A lot that of connections are, to those. Yes. Yeah, I got you. That that at, when you watch it without knowing it, you're like, what? That's just odd. But it's almost those little sprinklings for us, complete uber soft underbelly of cinema type fans that we get. And so anyway, that's no, I, I think that's I totally, why I, like I totally understand that because there's plenty of movies like, um, uh, Kung Pao under the fist. Yeah. That, there you that go. Comedy. A lot of people were like, this is awful and weird. And why? And I was on the floor rolling around bawling, crying because I've watched so many old school Kung Fu movies that I get what they're talking about, why the cow is doing kung fu, and why they why they're joking about. Uh, oh, I had, I love that movie. To death. <laughs> so I got all those little things as well. So I I totally get where you're coming from with that. Yeah. So I mean, this is going to be fun. I'm actually. I mean, this is now that we're finally here. I'm actually looking forward to watching Vanilla Sky again. And who knows? I I, I might come around and say. I, here's the only thing I can remember from that movie is watching it in the theater, thinking, "Oh wow, there's the there's the Twin Towers and." Because nine eleven had happened fairly recently, and I'm like, oh, that's crazy. There's, they have the twin towers in this movie, and that's like literally about the only thing I can remember. And Tom Cruise with a weird face. Oh, there, and, there and it's a, it turns into a science fiction movie, a complete yeah. science fiction movie. Oh, so anyway, yep, there you go. <laughs> okay, well, episode one hundred and one next week we will be back, and we will find out the results of this wild experiment that has gone on for over two, three, four, five. <laughs> Actually, considering that they came out uh, 14 and 15 years ago, this might have been going on for the last decade. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Pancakes. Oh, yeah. Pancakes. Tech, tech support. Um, okay. <laughs> Let's move on to our next segment. We're, we're doing pretty good on time here. Um, do you want to do like questions of the week again? Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm going to let you go first, even though it's my turn, because I don't care. Go ahead. What do you got? Okay. Um, I had a couple of different things as far as you know, just random random stuff here. But after I typed up the question here, I thought, we kind of probably already talked about this. Uh, and I'm, it's, I like to harken back to the old days of – because I'm so lately into older movies. And I'm even – and I'm going to get into the more recently watched stuff. Uh, but – I've been getting into some really old movies and and I think that that the different film aspects almost make a movie either better or worse. Like I've been rewatching a ton of old Hammer movies again, even getting into uh, some Alfred Hitchcock movies oh, wow. and some really old movies. Yeah, and I'm like some of these movies I think are good because of the film stock that they were shot on and versus if boy if this thing would have been shot on a on an HD you know 4K camera I probably wouldn't like it half as much as I do do you ever get that that the, the film stock that is used or the fact that it's shot on 8mm or 16 or 35 versus uh oh wow this is this looks great this is a brand new 4K high def this looks I mean, so it, this Captain America looks great kinda, ah. it kind of depends it, it's it's sort of like I really think about it when I watch like uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark or something, you know, the, or uh, not Raiders, uh, Temple of Doom. He goes running out on that bridge and runs right up to the camera. And it's like, for some reason, that moment, it just, 
is so 35 millimeter to me. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. Oh, I know. Yep. I know what you're talking about that, that scene. But then there are times where, uh, go to Peter Jackson's The Hobbit and he's using high tech fancy cameras and they also decided to, uh, decorate their set with a planted shrub from a soap opera show. And you're like, <laughs> why on yep, God's I'm, green I'm, earth would you do that? I'm taken out of the movie right now. Yes. So it's like, would I still feel that way if they had decorated the set properly? Or if, because I don't think the camera broke the, the set decoration. I think that was just poor set decoration on a bunch of green screen. Um, and I feel like it, having a 35 millimeter camera there would not, I mean, it might make it a little more believable, but it would not be like, okay, now I'm in. Um, yeah. So I think that, Part and parcel goes hand in hand with with all of the elements working together at the same time. I just listened to two plus hours of uh, William Friedkin on mm. Mark Maron's podcast, and <laughs> you you really need to listen to it. It was great because uh, I haven't heard any of the old Hollywood guys. Well, he's an old Hollywood guy now, but. Uh, he was a rebel back when he in his day in the seventies, you know, of the old Hollywood system. But I've never heard any of the, what we consider the old Hollywood guys completely be like, "Fuck film! I am digital all the way. I hate film. I, I buy my movies on Blu-ray, and they've never looked better. They look better than any print I've ever seen of them ever. And that's yeah. the only way I'll watch them is on the Blu-ray. They even say it, he even says it weird on the Blu-ray. Um, <laughs> And I thought that was great. I, I, I still think that there is a place for both, both formats or mediums or whatever you want to call it. I just, it all depends on how it's used. Do you know what, yeah. does that make sense? Like certain people absolutely should still be shooting on film. Spielberg, mm-hmm. keep shooting on film. You need, you you know how to do it and use it. Yeah. But uh, I, yeah, I just, it's, just, I just think it's, it's interesting to watch certain movies to where, like honestly, like there are some there are some newer movies that I've seen. I'm like, you know, I think I would like this movie better if it literally would have been shot on film and and like looked like the old '70s style or whatever. I think I would probably enjoy this more because right now I feel like I'm watching a slick, high def movie and it feels cheap sci-fi original. I mean, I, I could see that with like uh, House of the Devil. Yes, there was that's that a good shot example. on film. That was shot on film. Yes. Okay. Because there, there is a prime example of where if that had been shot on digital and looked too clean, it might it not have been as effective. Yep, agreed. But the film really worked. But there again, all of the set decoration was flawless. And the set design and the, the costume design was all flawless. So yeah. it might have been okay on digital. I don't know. Yeah. But I wonder how, how – that's actually a great example of, of a movie that truly feels like it was shot back in the early 80s. I wonder, like, how, like, what film stock he got, and this is complete uber nerd type talk here, but I wonder why other filmmakers don't do that. Like, hey, we're gonna, I want this camera, I wanna, I wanna try and find this video camera or film camera from back whenever, and I wanna find this film stock if I can, cause some of those old, like Hammer, for example, I've been watching a ton of Hammer movies again, and it's like, why can't new movies, like, if you wanna get that feel, shoot with that film, and like, New movies, no matter how hard they try, they can't make they can't look like that anymore. It seems Bec- I'm just uh, multiple reasons. Uh, it's expensive as hell, and it's a giant pain in the ass. I mean, because then you got to try and cut on an avid, or you got to uh, put it into you got to digitize the whole thing and then cut it together and then reprint it as a film, and that's a whole process that's expensive yeah. as well and a pain in the ass. Uh, it's getting it's harder to get Kodak film stock. 
You know yeah. what I mean? That's not as readily available. It's just all around more of a pain in the ass. That's what Friedkin was saying as well. You should have heard his rant. I was shocked. I, I figured him for one of the old school, like, oh, let's film, film, film. He's like, he literally was like, fuck that. <laughs> really? Yes. No kidding. Wow. Uh, not that I'm a total digital guy or anything, but it was just nice that there's such a great mix of old and new filmmakers that want to use what they want to use. Nolan wants to use film, and he absolutely yeah. should. His yes, he should. Great. But then again, that's another good person to bring up, because uh, look at Inception. Did that look like it was shot on film or digital? I couldn't tell. I mean, I, yeah. I, maybe there's some uh, film student who could actually point that out that, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that knows more about it than us, who could go, yeah. oh, that's definitely shot on film because, you know, uh, points one, two, and three. Well, I do definitely uh, give props to people that, that go through the extra hoops to make a movie look a certain way. And Ty West is a great example. Actually, his first movie, The Roost, was shot on 16 millimeter. And it, because of that, it makes the movie so much better. And then House of the Devil, and even, uh, forget the director's name, but he made, uh, on one of my first Underbelly episodes, I talk about it. It's, uh, The Jersey Devil Story. Uh, the, mm. it's a good movie. And he shot it on 16 millimeter. Oh, what's that movie called? The Barons. Yeah. And the movie was, it's a good movie. And it's even better because it's, you can very immediately, immediately you can tell this movie's shot on film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can just tell, and it elevated the movie to me. So, uh, and I don't know. I just think it's it's a cool, uh, it, it's cool one every now and then you see one that's like, oh, it, they shot on digital, they shot digitally, but they're trying to make it look like film by, you know, doing their whatever, running it through the, the process to make it all grindhousey versus, no, they actually went and got a camera, a, a film camera, and bought film stock and shot that bitch in 16 millimeter and went through the whole process yeah. to edit that thing together. So now, well, that's another thing Friedkin was saying. Then it's a whole problem with uh, getting the color right and getting it developed yeah. properly. And then you know, whereas opposed to digital, I can go into every single frame and color correct instantly yeah. on a dime. And yeah, I'm not promoting one or the other. I think both yeah. need to exist, and I yeah. w- wish that film would be a little cheaper so that the people that want to shoot on it could uh, yeah. a little more handily, but it's so hard to get movies made as it is uh, going around fishing for funds. You know, these people got to do what they got to do, and a lot of people that want to shoot on it can't. They got to shoot digital. Yeah, and you actually just brought up a good a, a, a good point is that the color correction is Right now, right now, because Blu-ray has pretty much saturated the market, there is a lot of really obscure movies being released by these boutique niche labels, and and th- there's a lot of uber nerds out there, myself being one of them. That is like, now is that exactly the way that the filmmaker intended? Because is the color right? Is the color the same way that it was back when it was shown in theaters? And there's been various movies that are like, that's not the way that that thing was originally intended to look, but Someone got a hold of it and went through the digitizing process, and now it looks blue. Yeah. Or now. Uh, they, and they, they, sometimes they do it on purpose. They did that with yeah. Ghost in the Shell. I was researching the, uh, yeah, that's the right. Blu-ray for that. I sent you that comparison. I was shocked. I couldn't wait to get that thing on Blu-ray, upgrade my DVD. And then here they went and, and changed all the, the blue tones to orange tones so that it would match the sequel. And I'm like, why would you do that? And then they added yes. a bunch of horrible uh, CGI effects on, on hand-drawn stuff. And it, it looks terrible. I mean, yeah. why on earth would you do that? I'm not, I mean, I might buy it if I find it super cheap just because, but 
I am holding on with a death grip to my Blu-ray because that's one of the things I love the most about that movie is the blue tone of the whole movie. That's one of my favorite things. It's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous to look at. Uh, so yeah, I totally get what you're saying where you don't want them changing the color palette. Uh, that's, oh, that's so infuriating. Sometimes yeah. it's really nitpicky though. There, we both agree. There's been times where we've seen side by side comparisons where it's like, come on. It, yes. Big deal. Oh, but, but that ghost in the shell one, Judas Priest, that was, yeah. that was, oh. Whew. Yeah. And he, I, I gotta say, even one of the big, one of the bigger ones is the original Star Wars trilogy. I like the Blu-rays. And while I know that there's a lot of people that don't like the additions and the changes and some of them don't work, but they actually the, – the color palette for a lot of the the original trilogy has been changed on Blu-ray and is not the same as the original trilogy as it was seen in theaters. And there have been numerous uh, versions that – you know, people have tinkered with online to get it to look just like it did back in, you know, 77, 80, and 83. So, uh, anyway. I, I, I still don't have uh, that Blu-ray set. So, I don't, even, no. I don't know what the Blu-rays look like. <laughs> yeah. I, especially with uh, Empire Strikes Back, it has a much more bluish tone to it instead of a warmer tone that the the, uh, the theatrical version had. And I'm just, and I'm going by literally. I'm looking yeah. at side by side comparisons. I'm like, wow, that definitely does look different. And so someone digitized it and thought, in this case, George Lucas, I want to make this a little bit bluer. I, um, you know, I'm a little more okay with the bluer tones than I am with the frickin' orange, man. What? Who likes that? Why? Why do they yeah. do that? And it seems like they do an <laughs> awful lot. It's like almost let's make it sepia toned. Like, what? it yeah. looks like garbage. <laughs> anyway. Oh, anyway, this is, I know this is completely. Oh, it's fine. That's, it's, that, I just, that's what's good about it. We go all over yeah. the place. <laughs> uh, well, that was completely different than the, the thing I brought. I, I didn't have much for question of the week, but I just thought like, now that, you know, it's our 100th episode, looking back on all these episodes, uh, favorite moments, favorite segments. I don't want to be too self-filating here, but uh, were there any thing in, in the show thus far that you're like, that was awesome, we need to do more of that. Or, I don't know, any segments that you want to want to bring more to the forefront of what we do. Because hmm. we're always changing. That's the, that's what makes the show fun, is that we, we all, we're always coming up with new ideas and new segments to like, hey, let's do this or do that. And it's like, oh, that, that was fun, let's do it again. Yeah. I mean, we, were already, we already did our top 100. Um, and, you know, I I have my own show to underbelly to get my my complete obscure grindhousey type stuff out of the way that I don't hit on on this episode. I I gotta say I'm really enjoying this middle segment that we've started up with, just kind of rabbit trailing on on various subjects. Mm-hmm. Me too. You know, um, so. <laughs> so that's your out of a hundred episodes. You're like the thing we've done for the last five. That's it. That's the one. No, I'm, I'm just I'm trying to think, and it's it's now it's been long enough to I'm trying to think back to the first couple episodes and how we did things and how. Oh my god, that was random. <laughs> random it seemed to know. How... Uh, yeah, if anybody wonders why the uh, first uh, 18 episodes are not on iTunes, uh, it's because we were on YouTube until we got banned forever. Yes, for a 30 second <laughs> clip from Terminator 2 that yep. under completely fell under fair use. And nope, we're done. I just checked it the other day, and we're still banned. 
<laughs> and they don't respond to any more emails. So whatever. The out the outlaws of YouTube. Yeah. Here we are. Yep. Yes. That, uh, that damn Terminator Guns N' Roses yep. clip. That, that killed yep. us. Yep. That did it. Anyway, the Axel way that Rose. I recorded mm-hmm. to begin, because this is the, the lowest budget of productions that you're going to find. Well, I shouldn't say that because I've listened to a few that have gotten national run from some of the biggest podcasts in the world. And I go and listen. I'm like, that sounds like a cool concept. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. I'll just say it. That sounds like a cool concept. I would like that. I'm going to go listen to that. And I would download their first couple episodes and I listen to it. And it sounds like a 1980s answering machine. Like I can barely understand the person. They're like, okay, well, I'm surely they've gotten better recording equipment since, you know, the first episode. So I'll skip ahead to the last episode. My God, this is completely unlistenable. Even our first 18 sounded better. And that's sad because literally what I was doing was pulling the uh, external speakers from my, that I plugged into my laptop around and pointing, uh, pointing them at the internal microphone of my laptop while I talked to it and we Skyped. (laughs) 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 The saddest setup of all time. And yet it still sounded far clearer uh, than, than that one. It sounded like I was talking to you on a speakerphone. Yeah, but it's still now. Now we're much better, and it still takes a fair amount of work. <laughs> yeah, we still have our bork bork yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. moments, but <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I like how we've kind of evolved, and how we uh, at one point we were doing uh, show and tell. So we were, you know, <laughs> oh my bringing God, the, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yep. did that, and um, I mean, I, I don't want to overdo the whole top ten, top five, top one hundred, top. You know, we did the top one hundred movies of all time. That was great. I loved doing that. Yeah, uh, but you oh, know, after a while, actually, I have a buried under my uh, piles of shit stapled to my wall here. Uh, I do have topics. Um, oh, fantasy movie league. That was a constant thing. That's we're going strong on that now. But that was a constant thing mm-hmm. on the YouTube thing because I could put up the numbers in a visual. I would have lots of visual cues on the YouTube channel. Yes. I'd put up a poster of whatever movie we were talking about. That way, if you didn't give a shit about that movie. You could fast forward to the next thing we were talking about. It was real. I was real creative with that on the YouTube thing. I was real proud of that. It took a lot of work, but bastards. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, collectibles, show and tell, theater ticket lottery. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. His, I guess since it's uh, one hundred, we could do a little more history of uh, movie freaks. The show, not the show, but uh, the idea of movie freaks goes back with me as far to two thousand three. I kind of started. Uh, I was sick of uh, my friends never being up to date on current movie news. I'd be like, hey, did you see that latest trailer for blah, blah, blah? Or did you hear so-and-so got cast as whatever? And everybody's like, huh, what? You know, because I'm the nerd that's on the internet all day on Rotten Tomatoes and Joe Blow and all these websites. And so I was like, screw it. Uh, I put together an uh, email newsletter that I called the Movie Freaks Newsletter. Uh, This, yeah, 2003. Man, that's going back. Wow. Um, And I, I would just... I had this uh, notepad file on my computer and everything, every story of interest, I would just kind of copy and paste throughout the week. And then on Friday, I would send it out and you would, everybody on the list would get uh, this email that just had current topics or a link to a trailer or whatever. It was usually about 10 things that you could just breeze through real quickly. Yeah. Went from there. (laughs) Facebook page and blah, blah, blah. And finally a podcast. Yeah. And in, in any listeners out there, if you're interested in hearing any certain topics that if there's any topics you want to hear us 
blab on about, we're all ears. Oh, send us a send us an email. Moviefreakspod yeah. at yahoo.com. Trust me. Yeah. We respond to all of them. Yep. I was trying to think, actually. Was there any... There's still... Jeff... We still haven't watched Jeff's movie that he requested a while back, The Last Supper, because we both have to rent it, and we're like, eh, money. <laughs> 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 but we, we do eventually need to get around to that. Okay, let, let's move on to Recently Watched, because I'm sure we're both going to have a ton, because uh, it's been two weeks since we recorded, even with the... Oh, yeah. I've got a ton. So do I. And I've got mine parceled out into, like, twos and threes, so we can kind of do back-to-backs, if you would like. Sure. Yep. That sounds good to me. Okay. I'm going to go first, because this also kind of would double as a question of the week. When was the last time that you watched uh, E.T., the extraterrestrial? Because I probably haven't watched it in 20 years. Are you serious? You want to know? Yeah. Uh, I watched that one time in the theater. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. Yep. And I remember it quite well, actually. And I remember bawling in the end. I'm like, yep, I'm good. I'm done. Oh, no, no. You need... It's it's now on Netflix, so you need to go watch it. Because I was like, it's time. It's I haven't watched this thing in in twenty years, two decades. It's time to revisit because I don't remember too much about. I mean, I remember enough about it, but let's just go see this thing and watch how it holds up. That movie is fucking weird. Okay, I know everybody's in love with this movie, and it was a huge moneymaker and blah blah blah. That movie is really really weird. Okay. Just like, just gi- just give it a shot. It's weird. Here's, it. Here's an alien who gets left behind because uh, a bunch of rednecks in California, because that, that exists, uh, <laughs> are chasing him around, and he screams when he runs like a demon banshee, yet he doesn't in the beginning, but he never runs again in the movie because of his tiny stubby legs, yeah. and his finger glows, and... Then randomly, at some point, he just up and turns white and dies. And then he wakes up and he's fine. And then he flies because Yoda. (laughs) Roll credits. And everybody's like, shoot the kids. This movie is fucking weird, dude. It is so freaking weird. Reese's Pieces, right? That's the Reese's Pieces. Yeah, Yeah. there's Reese's Pieces in there. Yeah, they lure them around all over the place and, and whatever. But... Uh, I, I I don't know why I've just never I, I I I've never had any interest in revisiting that movie. I'm sure it's a great movie, but I yeah. I I didn't either. But considering how everybody talks about that movie with so so much love and it's so great, and so powerful, and it, it has its moments. He he is great at picking child actors, and it was great to see the uh, '80s represented as far as the family dynamic where the the mom's yelling at the kids and the kids have free reign to just kind of just take off all day and then they'll be back by dinner whatever and it's like that that shit don't fly these days no i mean no it total total different world and like that's the world that's the dynamic that we grew up in the goonies that exactly yeah so i really enjoyed watching those moments but the et stuff it's so weird dude It, it like it's just awkward and strange <laughs> and then the finger lighting up and then his heart's lighting up and the, it, huh? <laughs> watch it again as as though you've never seen it and if you haven't seen it since the theater my god you practically yeah. haven't so 
I anyway remember awkwardly crying in the theater. I'm like, I'm good. Nah, no, you won't <laughs> trust me. You you won't have any tears. I, I, I mean, oh yeah, I, I, I got to the end and I was like, ah, oh, it was kind of a heartfelt ending. I get it, you yeah. know. I mean, the the biggest thing I took away from that is that he he's good at picking child actors. Spielberg, there's no doubt about that. It, very powerful on that front. Yeah, but more. it'll probably be another twenty till I revisit that one, and not. Well, I don't really give a shit about uh, showing that one to my kids. Not because I think they're going to be all teary, but just because this movie's weird. It's just weird. <laughs> uh, anyway, over to you. Okay. Um. Well, that was just one, right? Oh, should I do another one? Uh, the Forbidden Room. The Forbidden Room. Uh, Seventeen short stories. Oh yes, yes. Yeah. I did about forty minutes of that. No. Oh. <laughs> no. If there were short stories in there, I, 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 it was entirely baffling to me. I, it was like I was watching a movie in Chinese with no subtitles. That's not a good comparison. It was like I was watching a movie on a spectrum I could not visibly see. Like I was watching an x-ray. I don't know what the hell I was watching. It was So zero, zero score? Yeah, no score. I didn't finish it. So I, I, I don't grade it. Uh, I would really like you to watch at least ten minutes of it. Yeah, you said that in the text, and I'm like, oh, no. Just, just ten I- minutes. You can do that. You'll have the feel for the whole thing. I don't know where the short stories uh, were in there, because I don't know where it began and ended. It was just kind of a jumble of images and sound and shaky can I, I don't. I didn't know what was going on, but I'll say this. I've, I've never seen anything like it. Maybe maybe it's awesome. If yeah. you uh, Listeners, if you love The Forbidden Room, please email us and tell me why, and convince me to finish it, because I... I I, it was indecipherable to me. Hmm. There you go. Uh, okay, that, that counts as two. Yep. Okay. Uh, okay. So I'm I'm going to be very uh, unpopular with uh, this one here, but I figured. Welcome I, to I, episode 100, where we shit on ET and art stuff, and oh yeah, this one here. <laughs> I gave. Uh, I actually didn't finish this movie. I, I turned it off. And uh, you wouldn't in a million years guess what movie that is. I, I, I'm not sure if you've seen this movie, but you know of this movie. Okay. And and our our good buddy over on our uh, our other podcast that, that we like to to support, he I'm guessing really likes this movie. But halfway through, I'm like, you know this this is awful. <laughs> oh God. Um, and that would be Alfred Hitchcock's Dial M for Murder. Uh, uh, I watched half of it, and I'm like, this is, this is awful. And, uh, so I turned it off, and, uh, <laughs> uh it just, just recite, reciting our lines in a room. Here's how we're going to plan our wife's, my wife's murder, and you're going to be doing this, sir. Was okay. this the one that was in 3D? Uh, yes, yes, it was. Yep. Um, I'm not entirely sure if I... And then the, there was the scissors on the desk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I watched yep. this one. I thought this and was a pretty weak Hitchcock. As uh, I, I have pretty high... I mean, as far as Hitchcock goes... I yeah, put, I, I love I'd, Psycho. I yeah, put I, this one pretty far down. Oh, but, reciting their lines. I'm like, you guys are... From, uh, it felt like we're from the 50s and we're reciting our lines because we're actors. On a stage, doing our acting in a room. <laughs> oh, I'm like, I'm wasting my life watching this off. 
as uh, opposed to Night of the Wild. Right? Yes. <laughs> and I should have pushed stop at Asylum Sci-Fi. And you're like, nah. <laughs> I'll watch the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> the last five minutes surely will redeem this entire film. Alfred Hitchcock. Fuck off. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> But I, in my synopsis, because I, I always document my movies that I watch, and in, in, in like a sentence or two, and I put down here, everyone acts like they are in a stage play, and I was lost after the first ten minutes. No thanks. <laughs> uh, it overly complicated. Oh, oh, anyway, okay, so there's that. Because uh, I seriously, I, once it gets to the fifties, it's rare that I'll watch it. Like from the sixties on. Uh, that, now we get into, into Hammer Picture stuff. Now I'm on board. But any time we get in, delve into the 50s on down, it just starts to immediately, to me, feel like a stage play. Like I'm watching theater actors on a stage acting in front of a crowd. That's how I feel like – that's kind of how I, it comes across to me. I, I, I am, one, it's fine. You know, not, not every decade is for everybody. And I do not uh, hold to this uh, ideology that – Classic automatically means good. Uh, yeah. I've seen Dial M for Murder, and I thought it was a pretty damn subpar Hitchcock film. I, it's hard to conjure up a memory of that thing. Like it was just sort of meh. I, I feel he went way out of his way to be with the 3D stuff, where it's like 3D coming at you, yeah. and it just the the story really suffered. I didn't care about any of the characters. Very unusual for a, a Hitchcock film. Yeah. I'd go back to even even older with some of his films like uh, Rope. I thought Rope was an immensely better film. And that was uh, much older, I believe. I I'll double check that to make sure. But okay. it's all right. You don't have to love yeah. Dial M for Murder. Uh, I'll look up the uh, what other people are saying about it. Carry on with your next one. Okay. Uh, so next one, and I'm just going to get my two 50s movies out of the way, <laughs> is I watched Vincent Price's House of Wax, which was definitely better than Dial M for Murder. Because it's Vincent Price. But uh, it's it still, it has that, even like The Fly. And I, I liked The Fly good enough. But it, this still had that, it, it, almost an innocent feel to it. To where it's just, oh, I'm overacting. And, and this was also in 3D. And here's the guy with the yo-yo that's coming at the screen. I'm like, what? Um, I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this, but the, the Dark Castle remake with Paris Hilton was way better than the original fifties house of wax. Oh, this thing wow. is, it's dated. I've heard a lot of love for the original. I have. Yeah, it's, it I mean, it's not bad, but it's still, it just has that so innocent feel to it that it's just, uh, it didn't, it seriously, for me, horror didn't really genuinely start until hammer horror is that hammer is what started horror for me. And they hold up. And, I've been, like I said, I've been watching so many Hammer movies, like from literally a few years after some of these movies. I'm like, okay, now we're talking. Now this is what I like. This is awesome. Yeah. I, the gothic horror, and they're pushing the boundaries for early or mid 60s. But this stuff here is complete pedestrian 50s stuff. And maybe I should watch more. Maybe I might, if I immerse myself in this stuff more, I might like it a little bit more and, and, Appreciate there, there is more, a certain pace and a certain tone to uh, from fifties and younger film that you do have to watch a certain amount of it to kind of uh, properly set your palate uh, yeah. so that you can be receptive to it. Uh, but 
I mean, you'll get there, I would say, but the certain films that you're watching, I also wouldn't defend. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By the way, uh, did some research. Uh, Dial on for Murder, 1954. Rope was 1948. So that's an older Hitchcock movie that I think is much better than uh, Dial on for Murder. So do you think that Dial on for Murder, like, was that a universally, like, I wouldn't say universally loved. Is that what you're going to say? Well, I was going to say, like, was that one of his lesser, like, was that pretty much across the board? People did think that Dial M for Murder was one of his lower ones. I I don't 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 think I'd say it looks like it's about 80% positive. Okay. But that's, I I don't trust Rotten Tomatoes. Once I found out that they translate some three out of five stars as negative reviews, I don't trust you. It's, It's up to their interpretation. And at that point, I, Three out of five is a positive. That's a thumbs up. That that's, is a thumbs that's up. That's yeah. past the halfway mark. That's positive. And when I hear that, good God, could you be any fucking louder with your drink? It's our sound effects. <laughs> anyway, when I hear that, when I hear that, three out of five stars are sometimes translated into uh, rotten. I'm like, you're full of shit because that's a pot that ah, that's such bullshit that they get to kind of make. I wish that the critics were allowed to say, oh, it's a three out of five and I'm giving it a negative because that would be like, it's well shot and it's for somebody, but not me. I would accept that. But that's not the way it is. They the critics put in their reviews and then Rotten Tomatoes reads it and goes, hmm, I think this. So Rotten Tomatoes can essentially say Batman v Superman, 20 percent when you know, there's 20 reviews in there that are three stars that would jump you up uh, to like a 40, which is not necessarily good, but it doesn't make it the uh, abomination that every news outlet wants to sell it as. And that, that just, I'm sorry, that frustrates me. It's the same goes with this. I wonder how many, how many three stars in there were uh, somebody, you know, in 50, 50 waffling three star reviews. Were there 40 of them? Well, if you make them all negative, now suddenly Dial M for Murder is at 50%. Yeah. That's bullshit. So, uh, yeah. The, the, the tomato meter is dead to me. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Anybody that quotes it as, as precedence for uh, backing up their right. opinion, no. All right. Just no. But yeah. Okay. I, I, yeah. Uh, House of Wax, I, I would check that out sometime because it's Vincent Price. And just so that I can say that I did, want to check off the list. Uh, is it back to me? My turn. Do you want uh, TV or documentary, sir? Uh, documentary. Okay, well, it's going to be a three for then. Because <laughs> uh, I've been watching some docs. Uh, and is it some nerd shit? Holy cow. Uh, enter the battlefield. <laughs> um, uh, this is like a, an hour-long doc that popped on Netflix. Uh, about professional Magic the Gathering players. <laughs> Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> nope, not kidding. Uh, apparently, there is professional circuits for playing Magic the Gathering. A, a serious nerd fantasy card <laughs> game. Uh, but this this shit's been around forever. And I, I came to Magic the Gathering way, way late. It took years for my friends to convince me to play it. And this was probably in like 2005. Uh, and the shit was around when I was in high school. But... I, I I was I didn't know anything about it, so I didn't know how to access it. Uh, once my friends made me sit down and play it, I got into it big time. Well, big time. I, I got into playing it with them for uh, seven years, maybe. And I mean, there were times. Uh, there was a summer 
where we got together every single night, sat on my porch, and five of us played Magic the Gathering. And it was awesome! I'm looking for, I kept all of my cards, I'm looking forward to teaching my kids how to play the game. It's a brilliantly designed game, it's a totally fun game. It's so much fun. It's it's so well designed. So anyway, I, I did not know that, that it, there existed uh, circuits for professional players, but there is, and these nerds go off to win money. And kudos to them. That's cool. I'll yeah. never, I'll never do it. It was uh, pretty interesting, but seriously, it's only for magic players or people that have been obsessed with it at some point in their life. Other than that, <laughs> yeah, you would be like, "What the hell is happening?" You're either into magic or you're not. Gotcha. Uh, I think I could get you into it though, but mm. that, that would involve us getting together and me teaching. Eh, it's a whole yeah, I, I mean, I played some Dungeons and Dragons back in my high school days, which was really fun, but that's as far as I got into that type of thing. It's sort of like as cool as that, but a lot easier to access and a lot quicker. So you can just like, hey, let's sit down, play a game, 15 minutes to a half an hour later, you're done. Oh, that's cool. You know what I mean? Like, so you can yeah. do something quick. But the coolest thing about it is that you design the deck. Like, you are allowed to have a certain number of cards in your deck and you can only have four of one card and you kind of design like, okay, I'm going to put four of this creature and four of that creature and, uh, you know, four of this armor and that armor and then you shuffle them all together and hope you get them. You know what I mean? So you like it, design the deck yourself. It's not like everybody is playing with the same deck. You can build it yourself, which is what makes it so cool because you could be up against a totally, you never know what you're going to be fighting. Uh, especially when you're uh, up against like three or four other players at the same time and a little alliances start and, and, you know, oh, that guy's really having a good round. We need to all attack him. Yeah. It's, it, it just, there's a whole lot of dynamics in play for that game, but that's what makes it so fun. Okay. Uh, I got two more due for, uh, so I got to move on. Uh, Psalm into the bottle. Did you see this pop on Netflix? No. Okay. Uh, Psalm, short for sommelier, into the bottle. So uh, another wine doc, obviously I gotta watch this shit, because I watch all of them, most of them put me to sleep. And I'm watching this one, I'm like, this is really good. And then about halfway through, I'm like, I think I recognize that guy, where where do I know him from? I look him up, turns out, Psalm into the bottle is a follow-up to Psalm, which I think you did actually watch, No. If not, it was one that I was really telling you you need to watch. It was about uh, sommeliers and how they get their license. They take that test over and over and over. Uh, I have not seen that. Okay. Well, you need to. Okay. Fantastic documentary. And this is the follow-up. Same director. uh, Some of the same uh, guys are in it uh, as sommeliers now because they passed the test in the first one. Uh, and it's all about the winemaking process and how uh, these legends that have go back like a dozen generations past World War One in like Italy and, and Spain and whatever, uh, how they produce uh, all of these world famous wines. And it's told through uh, 10 kind of sections and 10 bottles. So they go to each of these people and they open up one of their oldest or most famous bottles. So there are some times where they're opening these bottles and they're just like, yeah, as far as we know, there's about 12 of these left in the world. Here we go. Here's what wow. it tastes like. It's okay. awesome. But it's it's even more powerful to, if you watch the, the first entry of this whatever. I don't, I don't want to call it a trilogy or a sequel because it's not necessarily that. It's just sort of... 
whoever the guy that makes this i don't have the name in front of me the guy that makes these uh, movies is obsessed with wine and it's fascinating this is uh, most of these wine docs will put you to sleep in a yep. heartbeat not these the, the ones that start with the all capital s-o-m-m these two movies on netflix watch immediately uh and lastly wrapping up my documentary segment sex in the comics <laughs> Wow. I <laughs> uh, can't not watch this one. Yep. <laughs> uh, both because it's a sex documentary and a comics documentary. But this is a, uh, yeah, it was very short. Uh, it was like an hour doc about uh, sexuality, pornography in comic books and people that are doing erotic comic books. Uh, Crumb was one of the guys doing it and a whole bunch of French people and... Ooh, a lot of cartoon boobs and vaginas and cocks swinging everywhere. Of course. Uh, so, uh, it was an interesting watch. I think that you might enjoy watching it just as a, a mild diversion. Uh, I have never read any of these books, and nor do I have much of a desire to, but it was still a fascinating look at uh, uh, pornography or erotic art in comics going back to... Uh, you know, the, the 50s and times when people were like, uh, you, you can't do that, and people wanting to ban all this shit. It was just interesting how people were like, oh, no, I'm trying to be romantic, and I'm trying to make jokes, because literally there's nothing funnier than sex. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, it was a very interesting watch, but uh, definitely don't have the kids in the room when you hit play on that bad boy. Holy crap. Uh, that's my documentaries. <laughs> Over to you. Okay. Okay. Um, no, Feel free boy. to do, like, three or four, or talk for a uh, while, because... Okay. Um... <laughs> Uh, this will take 15 seconds for the first review. Uh, Zombies, Zero stars. Next. Um, <laughs> but wait, uh, anybody, I, I heard that it was good. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not funny. It's stupid and it sucked and I hated it. There's, there, there's nothing remotely good about that, even in a so bad it's good sort of way. Nothing. How much did you watch? The entire damn thing. What is wrong? You turned... Hitchcock off, but Zumbies made it all the way through. Wait, 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 wait. No, actually, no, no, no. I did not finish that. Did you fast um, forward at least? Yes, I fast forwarded okay. through the last half hour of it. So, I mean, I, I, I quote unquote watched it, but the last half hour, I pretty much fast forwarded the entire thing just so that once the credits rolled, I could say, yep, I can give that a review. Okay. But, uh, yeah, it's still it's zero stars. <laughs> not, not one single good thing about that. Um, okay. So I rewatched The Witch. Um, and, and as we were talking about before, uh, with the whole film stock and, and, and shooting on digital, whatever, uh, and Ty West's House of the Devil, The Witch is one of the closest things to capturing a, um, I don't want to say hammer type feel, but gothic horror type feel, um, I, on second viewing, I gave this movie, I can't believe I'm saying this, I gave this movie five stars. Uh, it is one of the best horror movies I've seen probably in the past five years. The The second viewing I like even more than the first time. Uh, it's, it's going to, I have a feeling that that movie there will be in my top 100 movies of all time. Just like Under the, I've watched Under the Skin twice, and that's in my top 100. The Witch will be in my top 100. I, it's, it's one of those movies I can just feel that I'm going to watch that over and over and over. And for some reason, the second time, the first time I thought, this is a very dark drama that is, is, that is 
evil and creepy and and has horror elements. My second viewing, this is a flat-out horror movie, and it is scary and unnerving, and I loved it. So, there you go. Uh, how'd you watch it? Video on demand. Damn it. I, cu- I couldn't wait for the Blu-ray. <laughs> I, was hoping, I, I was hoping you had the Blu-ray, because I, w- I want oh, no, to see the, this. Oh, I can't. I'm, I'm buying. I Seriously, I... Because I watched it in the theater and there was no subtitles. I'm like, I want to see this in with subtitles because it's hard to follow. It really is hard is to it follow. Is in with. English or just like old oh, English? Oh, yeah. It's, okay. it's in old, Ill, very old English. And so I watched it with subtitles on. And that completely – like there's so many different parts to where you're like, oh. Even if it's not that important to the movie, uh, it, it helps just better understand the the – me it better it's okay you don't have to defend that i'm old too i turn the subtitles on i get it it's <laughs> that's yep. okay especially when it's that or like uh, extreme uh cockney british where they're like oi take it to the lift and i'm like what the what the hell yes <laughs> and then i turn the subtitles on and i'm like i still don't understand what the hell he's saying because it's <laughs> weird I, it sounds like english but it's not it's not quite yeah and this one here i recommend when you watch it i do recommend you watch it with the subtitles on because it definitely did help my experience watching the movie to know like the whole family dynamic and to see the i don't want to say too much but just the breakdown of the family dynamic in this movie uh but this i i hate to compare it to the shining but seriously dude this is this is like 18th century or whatever the shining to me and it the music the slow pace and i hate to even say slow pace because i was riveted to the screen i this movie is fantastic fantastic so anyway i know i've i've already talked about this movie before but no it's fine um, i can't wait to watch it but i just i it needs to come out and you need to yeah. buy it and then and i'm gonna I'm get on board yeah this is <laughs> That way totally I can, buy, I can borrow it from you. Yes. <laughs> and this is one where – this is one that I hate to say demands, but it demands to be seen in the dark with the lights out because it genuinely creeps me out. And if it creeps me out, I'm pretty jaded, but that movie was scary. <laughs> so, no problem. Anyway. Uh, okay. One more and then I'll move on. Uh, I've got so many Hammer movies here. I'm going to just touch on one of the Hammer movies. Uh, because I like them so much. Uh, one that I, I'm i not sure if I've talked about on our show before, and that's Plague of the Zombies. Have I talked about that show? Do you remember? It doesn't ring a bell. It's interesting, the Plague of... Let me just type this in here, of the zombies, just so I have some information on it. This movie was made in 1966, Hammer Studios. This is non-flesh-eating zombies. Uh, what makes it so cool is the fact that they are not flesh-eating zombies, and there is an ulterior motive to the zombies in this movie. I am the biggest Hammer horror fan you will find, and if you want a crash course in what makes Hammer movies so good, watch a double feature of Plague of the Zombies and Dracula Prince of Darkness. That, If you don't like those, don't watch anything else from Hammer, because those are quintessential Hammer productions with gothic atmosphere and damsels in distress and just cool old school special effects and abrupt like we're talking like there's a minute left of the movie like you click on the blu-ray like how much time is left oh one minute and 15 seconds and we're still at the final battle and then boom done end credits done like thin (laughs) (laughs) great uh so anyway i don't want to say too much about plague of the zombies as far as the storyline because it's it 
I, I would love for you, you don't to watch want to ruin that the plague of the zombies plot. Well, it, it's it's so different because it's not what you're expecting. Well, again, and if they're not after flesh eating, what the hell are they after? Lower taxes, flat exa- rate. Well, ki- kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I can honestly say there's um, uh, it, when I watch this movie, there's certain scenes where I'm like, ah, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, maybe a little bit in there, maybe just a little tiny bit. A plague of the uh, zombies. I'm reaching. Right okay. Here. That's okay. <laughs> Back to you. Oh, shit. Didn't that. Uh, okay. Uh, TV, real quick. I'm not going to spend time on this. Uh, Mark Marin has a pod. He's one of the, the legendary podcast uh, people. And I, I tried to get into his podcast at, at one point. And I was like, eh, it's an interview show. And I'm not really into I don't even know most of these people. And, the, you know, his most current, like, ten, I was like, eh, I don't really care. So I didn't really get into it. Didn't know him as a comic. His show, uh, he's been doing the show for uh, IFC, uh, Independent Film Channel, I believe. Okay. Uh, and it came to Netflix the first three seasons. So I, I started watching it. And at first I was like, is this guy a hipster? Because he seems kind of like a hipster. And the more I watched it, I realized, no, he's not a hipster. He's just kind of old. And so he's into, you know, older classic kind of uh, style and rock. And he's also neurotic to all hell and uh, a, um, what's the word, user, alcoholic, narcissist. He's uh, been sober for like a decade. Um, But, you know, you know what I'm talking about with the tendencies? Like, okay, I'm a sober person now. It used to be, but still makes uh, usually for an angry personality. So I immediately had an attachment to this man. And (laughs) the show uh, grew on me so much that in the last two weeks, I watched three seasons by myself because he is a man with a podcast in his garage and he interviews a celebrity every week. And so you have celebrities kind of coming and going, but that's not the the main focus of it. It's just him and his uh, being, being neurotic which is very funny. And, uh, you know, I knew I finally was able to determine he's not a hipster because he spent a, has spent uh, a couple of <laughs> more than a handful of episodes ripping hipsters to death, which was fantastic. Nice. I, I love yeah. that. <laughs> um, so huge fan of Mare and the TV show also made me go start listening to his podcast. But what I did was only download episodes of uh, movie people or people that I'm interested in. And now that I've seen the TV show, which is an amplified version of him, it's not really him. He's playing a character of himself like Seinfeld. Um, so, you know, on the actual podcast, uh, you get to know him even better. Um, and I, I've quite, and I, I've really, really enjoyed the episodes that I've listened to so far from him. I'm not huge on the interview thing, you know, as we've talked about before, but, um, when I'm listening to it of movie people like William Friedkin or, or, you know, other actors, uh, Sam Rockwell was on an episode, uh, you know, th- then they're, they're in, they're, they're playing to my strengths. That's the, okay. I'm interested in that. And he's a stand up comedian as it is. So he knows how to make the interview interesting. And, you know, okay. he's cracking jokes, you have shit to laugh at, instead of just like, what were you thinking when you were playing this role, a snore to death? It's, yes. It's not that. He's asking good questions. I just listened to an episode today where he's interviewing Clark Gregg from uh, uh, all the Marvel movies, Avengers, he's Agent Coulson. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Interviewing him. That was fascinating because he was talking about, oh, yeah, back in the 80s, I was part of uh, David Mamet's play company. 
right when that was starting. And so I did 80 plays with David Mamet. It's like, holy shit, that is fascinating. Uh, so I would encourage you to uh, look into his podcast, but I'm not saying listen to everything. I'm Just download the ones of like people that would interest you, like William Friedkin or whatever. Yeah. Then you're in. Yeah, and that that's what I'm doing too. When it's somebody that I don't know or have no association with whatsoever, I don't even listen to it because they're all like two hour episodes. Okay. Uh, but the ones where it's like uh Friedkin or, or you know, a movie guy, holy shit, it's great. It's it's fantastic. Uh Mad Men, season seven, finally finished up this horse shit. Uh <laughs> and <laughs> I've been saying this is a show about nothing for uh, four seasons, and it's a show about nothing, and it ends oh. just as terrible as as the who the downhill went. No Damn. interest. Oh, don't worry, you don't have to watch it. It's such a shame because much like uh, uh, Breaking Bad, the first two or three seasons were fantastic, must see, and then after that, it was like. Let's stretch this bitch out as long as we can. And just nothing. It's nothing. It, it, the arcs went nowhere whatsoever. Uh, so what is it? It's just people in an office, right? In the 50s? Yeah, Mad Men is. It, it, uh, do, Drinking and smoking and having sex? Is yep, that kind of the... Yep, running rampant. But, uh, you know, they're doing ads. Uh, they're advertising people. So that arc is kind of interesting for about three seasons. But the, yep. th- then it's, it's, and it's, it's not even, I like Mad Men better than Breaking Bad. Even when it's about nothing, it still was like kind of interesting and I'll keep watching, but it's sort of like, where is it going? And nowhere. The answer is nowhere. It went nowhere. And especially for the uh, last couple seasons, it's just over. Great. Nothing happened. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, did you watch this by yourself or did you watch this with your wife? Yeah, this was a uh, wife show. Yeah. Did she, did she like it? She felt about the same as me. Just, when nah. they stopped dealing with his backstory, which was the most interesting thing of the show, uh, it was over. And that was three seasons ago. Oh, man. Ouch. Well, but, uh. but here's the thing. It wasn't boring. You know, like, Breaking yeah. Bad pissed me off for the last couple because it was fucking boring. And everybody yeah. loves that shit. And I still, like, those last couple seasons were boring, man. Nothing. Uh, but this at least it was like, oh, it's interesting, but it's like they're not really doing anything uh, dangerous like they did in the first couple. Cash grab. I mean, maybe, but it's like everybody else seems yeah. to disagree with me. So what the hell do I know? It's TV. Yeah. Take what you can get. <laughs> you know, if, if it was something that you're watching with the wife, trust me, you know, if it's something she's interested in, you're interested in, it, you know, it's sort of like, OK, it's it's painless to watch. Yeah. So uh, that's fine. But it. Will I be revisiting? Nope. <laughs> uh, okay, one more, and then I'm done. I'll turn it over to you for the last round. Okay. Uh, the trailer for Inferno came out, and I, I don't even think I posted this to the page yet, but uh, Inferno is uh, part three of the Tom Hanks pretending to be Harrison Ford uh, in, in the... <laughs> You almost just spit right now. Yes, that was good. I was not expecting because I'm like, Inferno, I'm like, as soon as you said pretending to be Indiana Jones, I'm like, ah, oh, devils and angels and demons. and He's trying to be action adventure guy, but I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm scholarly teacher something. Not quite Nicolas Cage, so a little yeah. bit better. <laughs> not quite Nicolas Cage. <laughs> um, so 
since that trailer came out for the part three of it, which is the of the a very popular series where Tom Hanks, who I love, is uh, he, he's being his teacher guy and going around and doing all kinds of uh, finding clues. Find the clues. Find the. Cl- Did you find the clue yet on the Ron Howard movie? Because we find the clues. They're they're only they're very easy to find. Hard. No. Easy. Everywhere I go, clue. Uh, yes, I've been very hard on the Da Vinci Code, and I, I remember saying I liked Angels and Demons better, but it's still, I've been kind of hard on the series. So I was like, you know what? It looks interesting. I, I'm gonna, I need to go revisit these movies, especially considering it's on Netflix, Da Vinci Code just came on there. So I rewatched the Da Vinci Code. Um, still a lot of problems, but that goes back to the book. Even the book had a lot of problems. It's sort of like, we're doing this, and we're over here, we're go- here's this guy, the albino, because he stabs himself. That's important, Oh, yes. Right? Yep. Yeah. Not really. No. Okay. I'm giving it more of a positive review this time. I enjoyed the film, mostly because of Tom Hanks. I'm looking forward to watching Angels and Demons again, but it's not on Netflix. You have it on Blu-ray? I have it on Blu-ray, For- yes. I actually really like that movie. The director's cut is... That's really good. I watched it twice and definitely better than Da Vinci Code. Throw it on the stack with Cabin Fever, please. Okay. If, you, if, okay. if I can. I would love it because that one's not on uh, Netflix. I'm going to actually make a note here so I don't. Thank you. Because I'd like to watch that again. Um, okay. I, I give Da Vinci Code a passing thumbs up. It is a fine, serviceable time in the same vein that National Treasure is, but this one's a little more intellectual. It just gets a little carried away with some of its ideas and jumps to a couple of conclusions a little too quickly. It's just sort of like Jesus had sex! You're the one. Next scene! (laughs) Cut! And it's like, wait, real... (laughs) We moved on to that real quick. Like... Yeah, not a lot of breathing room, but the, still, some of the action setups were uh, very interesting, and yeah. uh, I'll give it that. I, I give it a yeah. passing thumbs up. I'm not going to be as hard on it this time as I was before. <laughs> uh, clues, there's clues uh, yeah. in that in the Louvre. I found the clue. I found it. It's in the thing. I'm going to throw the thing to you. Yeah. Eh, Magneto yeah. couldn't catch it because of canes. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I I think that Angels and Demons holds up a little bit better because the the director's cut is pretty violent. And uh, I actually liked the twist that kind of comes towards the end. I thought that, I thought that Angels and Demons was a pretty good movie. I haven't seen it since the theater, but I remember walking out of there going, you know what? I like that better than Da Vinci Code. I think that was pretty good. I didn't know there was a director's cut. I look forward to watching that. Um, yeah. So, yes, please throw that on the stack with Kevin. Okay, will do. Okay. Um, let's see. Ding, 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 ding. That's it for me this episode. I okay. got one more, but I'll I'll save it for the next uh, next go round. Okay, uh, I've got so many Hammer movies. <laughs> I'm going to skip over all of them because I, I covered Plague of the Zombies. That that takes care of that, and I want to get into some more recent movies instead of the old school stuff. Please do do uh, two or three. Okay, you got time. Okay. Go ahead, man. Okay, uh, Green Room. I watched Green Room in the theater. You reviewed it on the page. And I reviewed it on the page. So if you are a fan of our Facebook page, check out my full review. Uh, I really liked the movie. Gave it on my initial uh, viewing four stars out of five. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching it again, much like The Witch. I'm looking forward to watching it again with subtitles on, which is probably one of my bigger gripes about the movie is that uh, it's – okay, the setup is – Really briefly here, punk rock band, down in their luck, goes to a down and out, like a little dive bar type place that is actually a haven of neo-Nazis. 
they witness a murder and then the whole movie is pretty much them trying to escape their situation with Patrick Stewart as the owner of this club and his minions trying to kill them. That's the movie. So it's a survival horror type thing. My biggest concern about my biggest gripe about the movie is everybody talks in the uh, mainly the villains all talk in hushed tones. Oh, I freaking hate that shit. They all do, especially Patrick Stewart. He's mumbling and he's he's like the brains and he's great. He's the brains behind the outfit, but he's like, you do this and you do blah, 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 blah. I'm like, what? What? Are you, what? And then they're doing it. And I'm like, what? What? Are, why are you doing that? I, you explained why you're doing that, but I didn't get that. This is going back to what, what I asked uh, not long ago and uh, during one of our question of the week segments. What is with all this mumble stuff? And it's not the mumble core, quote unquote, subgenre thing that uh, artsy, fartsy, hipster, whatever bullshit that. Uh, yeah, it's not that. It's not it's, that. It's just a recording quietly. Yeah. You, don't you, do that. Come on. Let's do yeah. this. Move, come here. Yes. Move closer. Let's go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> is it just us with kids where we have to like turn the shit up when they're talking and then, you know, somebody shoots a gun in the next scene and then we have to turn the shit way down? <laughs> it could be. Honestly, it could be. Because uh, I didn't, this used to not be an issue with me, but anymore it's like, what? So I, what are you saying? I'm, I see a lot of it in very these very popular TV shows like Mad Men and Breaking Bad. Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> Crank it up, turn on the subtitles, and then the next then, scene somebody's getting stabbed or shot or screaming, and then my kids booming up. loud music. Yep, yep. Uh, so, uh, but and that's. I think if I would have understood what they were saying a little bit better. It wouldn't have felt – it started to feel a bit long. And I, I still – I gave it a great review. But by the end, I'm like, okay, let's wrap things up here because there were so many twists and turns along the way about how they're going to try and get out of here. And they were explaining like you do this and this and this to, to to accomplish this and this and this. But I didn't understand what they were doing because of mumble. <laughs> uh, so – but on the flip side, it is extremely graphically violent and not in a, uh, like, oh, yeah, that kicked ass. It's not like that at all. Everybody that dies, good and bad, in the movie, you're like, oh. oh well, that's how oh. Blue Ruin was. And that's what made yes. it so fascinating was that the, the violence was so visceral and real. It was just sort of yes. like, oh, I'm going to poke you in the neck with this pen knife. And it's like, oh, my God, that is going to cost a lot on your copay. Like, it feels yes. that real. Where you're yes, thinking. exactly. <laughs> like, that looks like it really just happened. And that's the same way with this movie is where when someone dies, be it a, one of the good guys, quote unquote, or the bad guys, it's like, oh, okay, that was hardcore and that was unsettling and dis- disturbing. And ugh. <laughs> so, uh, but it is a really good movie. Uh, it's not one that you have to see in the theater, but, uh, you know. It, it's it's a good movie. Really good movie. I can't wait to watch it. And actually, I like the premise better than Blue Ruin. And I, I really like Blue Ruin. I just felt like it's something about the third act. I need to watch it again. But something about that third act, like right at the end there where I'm like, what? It, fell, it kind of fell apart. Like it was such an adventure all the way yeah. until that end. It was like, nah, <laughs> take this, bang. And I was like, eh, eh. Yeah, I, I remember that ending was, yeah. I, but I need to watch it again to, to reevaluate. I only watched yeah. it once. Uh, once, excuse me. Um, <laughs> it's getting okay. to be that time. We're, we're past 11.30, oh, so we're, yeah, pumpkin, it's pumpkin shit's head coming time. out. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> Go ahead. No, carry on. Um, here and then now here in my last one, and this is a surprise review that I've been kind of saving up oh. because we haven't had an official, you know, taken together. Vanilla Sky. I watched this shit. I fucking hated it. I watched it already and it sucked. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> um, I actually watched 10 Cloverfield Lane. Oh, shit. Yeah. So I thought I would, I would review it here and uh, happy to report that if you are interested, it is coming to the Dollar Theater. So you may want to actually, you should check this movie out. Look, I, is, honestly, I've been... Uh, Struggling with this one a bit because uh, cinema sidekicks—they're—they're fifty-fifty on it. It's—it's it's sort of like one of them loved Cloverfield, the other hated it, and then on this one they're like the one—the other one liked it, and the other one was like, yeah. So I don't know where to come out on it. I tend to agree with you on Cloverfield. So what your opinion of it <laughs> will make the difference whether or not I see it in the dollar theater. Okay, uh, I thought it was. Really damn good. <laughs> so, translation, it had a fair amount to do with the original Cloverfield. I think so. And I think that, boy, I, I think that it can go either way to where you can make the case that it has very little to do with Cloverfield. Or you can make the case that, no, 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 that ties in pretty damn good, actually. And I tend to lean on the, yep, that ties in pretty good with Cloverfield Lane, or with the original Cloverfield. I, I am in the camp of that is a in, very much in the same world and it's here's cloverfield and right beside it you know on the little side thing is 10 cloverfield lane but i liked it i like john goodman was great it is very much a small scale movie but if you don't like the last 15 minutes how much of I'll, it is in the bunker that's the bottom line of what i uh, need to know a significant portion yeah, of it is i was hoping like the first act no, no, I'm, I'm, no, but good things come to those who wait. Okay, well, you're kind of selling me on it, even though I was, yeah. uh, you're saying things I don't like, but yeah. it, it, seriously, it really does help that the, the actors were really, really good. Uh, John Goodman was great. Mary Elizabeth Winstead was really good in it. Uh, I mean, essentially, actually, there's only three characters in the movie she's gonna break out one day i mean i maybe that's a dumb thing to say because she's a, a pretty well-known name but at the, on the other hand it's like she hasn't gone straight up a list yet like uh i know I, I think she's going to it's just a matter of time she's been great in everything name one thing yeah. she's been horrible in nothing i mean if she may have been slightly slightly miscast in the alien remake reboot prequel whatever uh, what a, but, wait what what she was a she was the scientist or whatever in the. Uh, did I say alien? You said oh, alien. Shit. I'm like no, the, the thing. Oh, oh the, the thing. thing. Um, yeah, she, she was, was okay, fine in that. She was totally fine. Yeah. I, I mean, the movie was meh, but she she was fine. Yeah. I didn't have a problem with her. Yeah, uh, but she's a, I like her, and she was really good in this. This might be my favorite role. Well, no, yeah, no. I was going to say better uh, than Scott. The, Scott Pilgrim is. Oh, gosh, that wasn't even what I went to uh, initially. Uh, Tarantino, cheerleader. Oh yeah, <laughs> Death Proof. Yeah. That's right. So, she, and she was in uh, Black Christmas. She added. Oh man, she was, she's been in good movies. I, I like yeah, her everything. Ah. Yeah. So anyway, but you should, if I were you, I'd check this out at the Dollar Theater. I would be very curious your thoughts on the movie. I, I dug it. But be prepared. You're in the bunker a long time. Damn it. I was hoping that was just the first <laughs> act. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll try. I'll see. You know, okay. if summer's busy, I'll do my best to get there at the Dollar Theater. 
Yeah. You sure you don't want to do one more? Um, oh, there's one that I would like to talk about, but I want that it's actually going to be my next review on the Facebook page, and I okay. literally then I want off. to hold off. Yeah, yeah I want to hold off on that. I mean, I rewatched, uh, I bought Krampus on Blu-ray and rewatched <laughs> that, and I gave it the exact same score that I did in the theater. It's a really really fun movie. It was good, but why didn't you go for an R rating? Why didn't you? This should have been R rated because everything about it is good. But you didn't go for it, and you could have because the, the uh, trick or treat was R rated, and it it worked so well, and this would have worked so well as an R rated movie. Man, eh, oh well. <laughs> okay, I got you. I, I'm throw it on the stack. I guess I'll watch it. I haven't seen yeah. it yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. It's a good movie. Yeah, you. I think you. Well, I that that's one that you could come away with saying, eh, I don't know, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it a shot. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to add for episode triple digit 100? The big one. Yeah, we made it to 100. I'm, in, I'm impressed. Uh. <laughs> yeah, so is the rest of the world that we've carried on yeah. this long. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, as always, Movie Freaks Pod is your keyword at yahoo.com for email, uh, facebook.com, Movie Freaks Pod. And at Movie Freaks Pod on the Twitter. We are on there. I'm trying to do better at uh, putting some content on there. But mostly it's just linking stuff to Facebook page. So the Facebook page is where you really want to get a hold of us and uh, like that page. Because we put up uh, reviews and trailers and etc. etc. Yep. Um, Oh, what about next episode? Are we teasing anything for next episode other than Kevin Fever and Vanilla Sky? (laughs) We're coming back with the legendary reviews. Um, Yes. Not really. I've I've got some some stuff I've watched that I haven't reviewed yet, and that will be on the next episode. We should do some different segment, because we've done Question of the Week for uh, like three or four in a row. So we'll come back next episode with a different segment. Don't know what, but we'll figure it out. And as always, please visit our friends Belly and Cinema Sidekicks both on iTunes and YouTube and all over the place. That's going to do it for this episode. I'm Eric Marner. And I'm Dee Lee. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening. Sorry, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Take a breather. That was slurry. That was non... I, I just know, and I'll be editing, and it'll be like... Oh, there's your after credit scene. <laughs>